All right, hey, good evening to you out there, Mizzou fans, I assume. Hopefully there are some of you here. Um, maybe there are some other people here. Who knows? But this is the 573 Report. I'm Gabe DeArmond, Mitchell Forty, on the other side of your screen and uh, now framed up a little uh, better than he was at the beginning. So he's right there. Uh, we're here to talk. Well, we really don't know what we're going to talk about tonight because uh, – it's not the most active time in Mizzou sports, but we'll take your questions, comments, whatever. Um, first off, I can tell you, Mitch, I learned today. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, did you know that today is National Beer Day? I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, I learned that on Twitter. Um, I'm. It, this is my masterful hosting abilities. I'm tying this in because our sponsor, 573tees.com, has a promotion going on right now, a little collection. They've got some logboat uh, shirts, some flat branch Broadway Brewery, one that just says, I love beer, um, which I support. If I had that one, I would wear it on the show tonight. I do not yet have it, but uh, it is National Beer Day. You can go to 573tees.com and get 10% off a beer shirt uh, if you go through the link on our page. So um, there is that going on. Uh, five Other breaking news, very important news. After we got off the show last week, 573tees did tell me that if and when Ed Chang picks a new school, they will make an Ed Chang jersey for that school, and I will be able to wear it on the show. That's huge. Our show is getting things done. I mean, <laughs> right. that, that, that's big time. I, I would I would have to think that'll be their highest selling piece of merchandise. Well, ever. we did receive at least one other text message from somebody that said, I would wear that if uh, mm-hmm. if they produced it. So, look, I, I don't know. Um Southern Utah Ed Chang jersey. I I would be uh I would be in for that. So uh potentially maybe Hopefully it's yeah, hopefully it's just in like an extremely random school, like yeah. someone that you know hardly anyone's even ever heard of. That uh, I'm, I'm that like I can't even think of one off the top of my head cuz I want it to be that random. I mean, I thought Southern Utah was fairly random, but they it might is, That's a good illustration. Yes. They might be a little too uh high profile, but it we might actually now have to get one that is like half Ed Chang, half Drew Buggs. Um, True. You know, because Drew Buggs in the transfer portal for what his – was this his fifth or sixth year of college this year? This was his fifth. He will be okay. going for a, a sixth. Okay. Uh, so Drew Buggs will be playing year six somewhere else. Um, credit to the reactions I saw. Nobody thought this was a uh, a reason that the program is falling apart or anything yeah, was, other than Drew sure Buggs wants to play again. I was pleasantly surprised. I definitely expected at least one twit, Twitter notification and or message word poster to uh, to to use this as a reason to let everyone know that they aren't satisfied with the coaching staff for the hundredth time. But I didn't see any of that. So no. it seems as though people are kind of starting to figure out, like, maybe, you know, some of these seniors who, uh, in, you know, are taking advantage of the extra year playing elsewhere were not necessarily encouraged to return to Missouri. It, also, I think it's like, you know, the, the seven stages of grief or however many there yeah. are. I think yeah. it, the game ends and you spend like three days or whatever being super angry and all that. But now we're like three weeks away. So we've gone from super angry to everything's terrible and we should fire everybody to maybe it'll get better to, hey, I think this is going to be pretty good now. So we're in that stage. Um, I don't know what stage comes next, but we're in the we've moved past anger uh, and more anger. (laughs) Those were the first two stages and and then acceptance uh, um, and then optimism. And now we're just in, in, in sheer optimism mode. Yeah, pretty much. It is funny. You know, we, we went from people acting like the the team, entire team next year was going to be Kobe Brown and Javon Pickett. No, this is going to be Kim Anderson bad to then like, you know, they fill a couple players and like a spot that like, I mean, I would guess most people have never seen these guys play. I haven't, uh, maybe the guy from Kansas state, but you know, I've never seen Jerron Coleman or, uh, or, or Amari Davis play, but now it's like, Oh man, we might be pretty good. And you know, and we all know, we've seen this before, you know, the more time that passes, the more optimistic people are going to be. And by the start of next season, it's going to be, well, I think we could easily be top four. Probably a four seed. Yeah. And then that won't happen, and then they'll get angry again. Well, it's, here's it's the self-fulfilling prophecy. Here's what I've learned about the transfers this week. Uh, did you know that the kid from Kansas State is actually named DeJuan Davis? 
Only when a tweet was posted on our board, and then I saw people respond to it and yeah. like say, "That's not how I would, thought you would say his name," because I just thought it was Dewan, like everyone else. And so, uh, then so I, then I clicked because I wanted to have it right, and it's yeah. Dejuan. Yeah, I, lo- I was listening to a, a podcast with the K State guy, and he called him Dejuan, and I figured, well. He probably knows better than I do. I would uh, would not have gotten that one correct. Uh, Steve P wants a Simo Ed Chang jersey. I feel like that's a little bit. Um, that's definitely too high profile. You know, it's too relevant like, around here at least. Yeah, maybe uh, Missouri Baptist Ed Chang jersey. <laughs> um, you know, Lindenwood maybe uh, something sure. like that. But uh, but you know, Simo's a they're an Ohio Valley D one program. I don't know that they've ever been to the tournament, but I would guess they probably have. Yeah, I'm not sure I can answer that one for you. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, all right, so here I feel like is the most relevant question for uh, that we need to start with to basically explain what the next few weeks of the show are going to be. Case wants to know, what do we do from April to August? Um, it's a fair question, Case. Um, it, it is. Uh, I, I mean, you know, there's always, like, it was weird, actually. The first week and a half to two weeks of the off season. I felt like we were kind of busy in, I say off season. I mean, Missouri was done. Basketball was still going. Right. But I felt like we were busy every day. I felt like something was happening. Now that slowed down this week. So that, and just knocked on my desk. So we don't have a commitment in the next 54 minutes or whatever. But, um, the, the first week and a half, like there's news. We'll get Conzo at some point here coming up to kind of wrap up the season, but it's mostly recruiting for about the next, two two and a half months to be honest yeah pretty much like you said well yeah we'll, we'll wrap up the season with Conzo. you know i'm sure at some point you know there may be some interviews with with people involved with the football team there will be media days at some point but yeah it's uh it's a lot of recruiting for sure and you know obviously that includes transfer recruiting now um so you know that's something that like you said we've been busy with and we'll continue to monitor but yeah i mean uh you know going down the list talking with guys from the 2022 classes and football and basketball, maybe, maybe try to put together some uh, feature stories that we wouldn't have time for during the season. But uh, it's a nice time of year, especially right now. Like when we, when you first finish up the the football into basketball seasons and then spring football, you're like, Oh man, this is great. But then usually by like mid June, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to be busy again. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's about a month, month to six weeks where it's like, Oh, this is fantastic. And then there's not the other thing we tend to do during this time of year. Like we just, get a little bit creative you know now if we didn't blow every single story we had last year during the pandemic when we thought we would never have sports again uh when the off season was actually significantly longer even than this one will be uh but you know last year we did like the top 64 football and basketball players in school history uh, we generally try to come up with some sort of fun kind of series every may or june to just kind of uh get people through uh, a lot of people that do what we do will start doing things like counting down you know the 99 players on the football team or like hey let's analyze the backup left guard situation in mid-may it's not really my thing but there are people that find that to be their thing yeah starting in like mid-july or something we'll start doing position by position camp previews which seems already excessively early early. uh we don't need to do it before then and spend more time also like you know doing like a middle of the summer like you know breakdown of each team like i don't know what each team's gonna look like at that point really right. so you know yeah well we'll i promise we'll have stuff on the site for you all to read and watch and listen to um even if it's not about the backup left it, it will be minimum i mean we we have a story every day um at least uh you know I, I mean during busy times it's a lot of times it's four five six a day but right now it's one to two stories a day but i always say a little bit we are like teachers because I mean, the truth is from mid-July when SEC Media Days normally is until mid-March whenever basketball season's over, like there's rarely a day you actually just completely don't pay attention and actually take off. I mean, you're always – so that's, you know, eight and a half months of kind of pretty solid at least being on the clock every day or or – on call every day so we we build up the off days and just uh the truth is what we do for the next two and a half months is schedule tea times and celebrate national beer day 
<laughs> that's exactly right yeah so yeah i mean it, it, it works out well like i mean most of the, the hobbies i want to do in my off time i can't really do during the winter anyway right. so works out it works out pretty well yeah um we'll uh we'll play a little bit of golf and uh probably watch a little bit of golf david wants to know who's uh who the picks are to win the masters you guys probably know by now that outside of college sports like golf is probably both of our favorite sport um somebody asked me in the mailbag who i picked i picked your guy mitch I picked jt i know i saw that now i'm mad because i'm not happy him, so I have, to oh. think of, I have to think of someone else yeah uh i mean see. you can pick him too i don't care i just think no, he's gonna win i mean we you know we gotta what how many people are in the field like 90 you can't we can't both pick the same guy that's boring yeah. we gotta give the people what they want um i don't know let me think let's i mean Dustin Johnson's, you know, the obvious favorite, but I'm not going to pick him. I might go, I'm going to say, I think John Rahm is due. I'll go with John yeah. Rahm, even though I think I picked him for the Masters last year and he did, he did not win, obviously. Um, wasn't particularly close, I don't think, but that, that's, neither was anybody he's, else. He's well overdue and he's been in the hunt a few times at Augusta. So that's my Yeah. Pick. I was going to pick him, but he just had a baby and probably his life's ruined now. Oh, he, he doesn't care. Oh, yeah, yeah, he had a baby like this week. Oh. Um, All right. Here, here's yeah. my mortal lock pick, though. Tony Finau, top three going into Sunday, does not win. Like, yeah. if I could bet that as a prop bet, I would do that in every major. Yeah. See, I hate that he's getting this reputation as like a, you know, a choker um, because I, I really like him. And I yeah. feel like it's, you know, impressive. He's still super young and it's impressive how many times he's been in it. But yeah, he just, he just refuses to win one. Did you say you, you hate that he's earning this reputation? As a choker. Is yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No question. Um, all right. So there are some actual Mizzou questions. So we'll talk about that a little bit and then we'll get back to nonsense and, and whatever. Uh, when we, there's plenty of stuff actually going on. It was kind of a big day in college basketball. We'll talk about that too. But uh, Adam wants to know what bigs Missouri's after in the transfer market. I, I, I mean, the fair answer is, you know, we're not sure who they're serious about, right? I mean, we know they want Christian Bishop, but we really highly doubt they're going to get Christian Bishop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like anything's possible, you know, we're, you know, we haven't been able to get a hold of Christian Bishop and obviously, you know, the staff isn't just letting us know like, Hey, here's everyone we're Correct. recruiting in order. Um, so, you know, as, as you can, you all have noticed some, a lot of the guys Missouri's landed so far have not been very active on social media about putting out there, Hey, here's who is contacting me. So we know Missouri contacted Bayron Matos from yep. uh, New Mexico at one point. Uh, we know they have offered Christian Bishop, but we also know that Kansas has offered him and that might be tough to beat. Um, and there are a few others who, you know, we've speculated maybe could be a fit. I know I included Ty Gross in uh, that list a few weeks ago. There were some others I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, they will. I, I think at least I would be stunned if they did not add a, a big to the roster via the transfer portal. I think that is the one thing they will for sure do. And then that 13th spot is a little more flexible. Yeah. And uh, the guy and, and I can't the, Liam and I can't remember his last name. Oh, yeah. Right now, Robbins, I think. Yeah, he uh, he just hit hit the transfer portal from Minnesota yesterday. He's a seven footer, eleven point seven rebounds. Like that's a guy. I mean, look, I think a lot of people will be after a guy like that, obviously. But that's a guy. I think if you're Missouri, you got to look at. I I will say this: I was highly disappointed that I saw Tanner Groves put out a list of of schools that has con have contacted him, and Missouri was not on it. Um, I, after watching him against Kansas, I, I feel like, and this is not exclusive to Conzo Martin, but I feel like if you did not attempt to contact Tanner Groves, perhaps you should be relieved of your duties as a basketball coach. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I could not think of a player I've wanted more badly in a Missouri uniform than the Gross brothers. They were amazing. Only very small sample size, but they were the most likable two players I've ever watched in college yeah. basketball. And they happened to play positions that could help out Mizzou. So, right. yeah, I uh, I got to say, I'm with you there in, in being disappointed. I really want the Mountain Man and Napoleon Dynamite on Mizzou. It doesn't he, seem like it's going to happen. He's... I, I think Tanner Groves was my second favorite college basketball player this year. Um, but the other one just went pro today. Uh, uh, Mitchell from Auburn, who is, as I've said uh, numerous times, the greatest player in the history of from Baylor. Or from Baylor. Yeah. Did I say Auburn? Originally Auburn. Think, yeah. He was from Auburn at one point. But yeah. Uh, right. yeah. But from Baylor, um, he's going pro. He should be, I think, probably the number one and number two overall pick. 
Um, wow. And just nobody else gets to pick till three. Uh, just cool. based on the basketball that I watch, but I would put Tanner Groves number two. Yeah. So. I mean, would you combine Jacob and Tanner Groves? The fact that there's two of them and they both have, or, you know, separate, like they're both likable in their own way. Like, it's not like they're both the same person, the same goofy. Like one of them is a lumberjack and the other is Napoleon Dynamite. Sure. I think that combination could boost them ahead of Davion Mitchell, who also is, like you said, not transferring. So <laughs> right. you know, not, the, not in the discussion to be on Missouri. He's transferring year, as much to, as, the, as much as he would help. to the Minnesota Timberwolves or something yeah. along those lines. Uh, so uh, like, I guess it was only two days ago. That game seems like it was a week ago. Um, I believe that us and Dave Matter were texting before the game, and all three of us uh, astutely picked Gonzaga to win the game. And um, three minutes and six seconds into the game, I believe I revised my pick to Baylor 90, Gonzaga 16. Yeah, something about that. I mean, it, it was over that soon. It really was. Yeah, I mean, like, I will say, you know, I, like I, I wasn't super gung ho about my pick. I was just kind of like, I don't know, nothing would really surprise me, but that actually kind of surprised me. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I would, you know, I entertained the idea of Baylor winning and of Gonzaga maybe starting a little slow because of just kind of the emotional, uh, you know, high and, and coming back and trying to play two days later, but to completely outclass a Gonzaga team that had, you know, pretty much dominated everyone it played prior to the final four. That definitely caught me a little off guard. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, like, you know, uh, tip your cap to Baylor. Like they were the best team. They also played yeah. probably their best game in the biggest moment, which is rare. You just don't see that very often. So it was not the most compelling game, but it was, still, I thought it was, you know, I enjoyed watching it entertaining to watch for the first 30 minutes, at least because there's some really high level basketball being played. Well, that was, I, I kept watching from the sense that I feel like I'm watching the best national title game performance I think I've maybe ever seen. I mean, yeah. the year that UNLV beat Duke by 32, I think you were negative five, so you probably didn't watch <laughs> yes. that one. Um, but that was probably the best one I've ever seen. Like, I can't remember a team just absolutely steamrolling the national title game like that. Yeah, I think North Carolina one year did. Um, I want to say the year they beat Michigan State, maybe like 09. I, they, okay. they, I think, won by a lot, if I remember correctly. Um, I, enough that I went to bed during the game because I was young. <laughs> yeah. uh, so th that would be up there. But yes, no. I'm I went to bed during the game because I was old, but yeah. Yeah, same idea. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I, I I don't remember. I mean, it's on the very short list of, of, yeah, just, you know, a team that absolutely plays their best ball in the biggest moment. And so there were two things coming out of that game that I, I have no time for. Number one, see, Gonzaga can't really play with guys. Like, they beat Iowa and Kansas and Virginia. Like, they beat good teams this year. They yeah, embarrassed. Virginia. Yeah, they embarrassed USC. They can beat teams like that. They just didn't on that night. And the second was, well, they're probably real tired from their long game against USC. Like, that's a disservice. Like, Baylor was just really good. That was more yeah. about Baylor than it was about Gonzaga. I agree. I, I do think, I mean, like, you know, just – being ready to go out the gates when, when you come up trying to come down and get focused from that emotional high. I mean, that is a real thing. And that's something I you know thought about before the game, but I mean, if it, it wasn't like Baylor was just a better team for those first few minutes, mm. they were better pretty much the whole way. I mean, you know, Gonzaga cut it to nine in the second half for about 10 seconds. And then it was back to 17. It was, it was really impressive. So yeah, I, I definitely don't think, you know, you can put that all on uh, that semifinal game. So now Mark view kind of gets, he kind of takes this from Scott drew, which is, you know, appropriate. They were talking about Tony Finau a couple of minutes ago. Like he's really good, but, um, and it's not fair. Like, every coach is that guy until he's not that guy, right? Tony Bennett was that guy. Bill Self was at one time that guy. John Calipari was at one time that guy. You know, yeah, they're really good, but can't win the whole thing. I mean, that's – it's unfair to Mark Few, but it's going to be there till he wins one. Yeah, probably true. I mean, you know, obviously – 
you know, I mean, in, in one hand, my, I want to say, like, no one would have ever expected the Gonzaga coach to win one. So it's almost a little unfair. Like, the fact that yeah, he's got him to this true. point is incredible. He's the best mid-major coach, you know, probably ever. I mean, it depends how you classify, obviously, like, you know, you uh, UNLV back in the day and Houston back in the day. The landscape was right. a little bit different, right? But, you know, in, in our modern, you know, conception of mid-major, he's obviously the best mid-major coach ever. Um you know, maybe Brad Stevens if he had stayed longer, but he didn't. So anyway, Travis, Travis uh, Ford, yeah, he, you know, <laughs> sure. Right up there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, in one sense, obviously incredible job. And the fact I mean, they're going to reload again next year. They're going to be right. good as long as he's there. So he's, you know, props to him for all that. But, yeah, I mean, certainly there's a little bit of, you know, this thought of like, oh, Gonzaga's lost so many times as a high seed in the NCAA tournament, which like there's a lot of other teams that have too. like, you right. know, I'm sure it's... you could pick and choose, you know, like I, I, you know, just random school, like, you know, find like, I don't know, like. Oregon's been a high seed and hasn't won at all. Like actually mm-hmm. they're, they probably overperformed from their seed, but like, you know, Purdue's been a relatively high seed mm-hmm. a few times. Hasn't Virginia. Won at all. Like, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. They, until they did. Until right? they so did, like yeah. you could pick others, but Gonzaga stands out because of the West coast conference deal. And so many people want to say, you know, oh, they didn't play the schedule and all that. So yeah, I mean like, yeah, you, you can't get over that until they do it as much as like, you know, you want to argue like, well, look how impressive it is what he's done there. You know, there, there's certainly always going to be that, that gap on the resume. I heard a pretty good point. I think it was on the CBS podcast. They said like, this felt like the year maybe somebody was finally going to go unbeaten. And if it doesn't happen this year, like maybe it's not going to happen. I mean, I guess eventually maybe it'll happen, but it seems pretty unrealistic for anybody in a major conference to go unbeaten. I mean, the the last three teams that have gone into the tournament unbeaten, I think, were, were Gonzaga, Kentucky did it a few years ago, and Wichita State did it a few years ago, and then lost to Kentucky. So... You know, I mean, unless you just get a freak show team like that Kentucky team was that year, I, I mean, it seems pretty unlikely to me. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, it, I'm not going to say it will never happen because, you know, as soon as you say that, it will. But, yeah, I think I, it's obviously far less likely than it was in the past as evidenced by the fact that it hasn't happened in, what, I don't know, 30, 35 years or whatever, 45 years. But, um, yeah, I, I do think it's pretty unlikely. I mean, really, it's really like, you know, yeah, it's got to be a mid-major type team and probably has to be Gonzaga because who else on a mid-major level is recruiting at the point where they're going to go unbeaten. So. Right, right. Um, Real quick, before we get to some sports questions, Davin's daughter wants to know if you got a haircut, Mitch. I didn't. I shaved today. Shaved my face. <laughs> Maybe that I, was I have it. not gotten a haircut in a, in a good three, four it's, weeks. I, I, I always like to know we're appealing to multiple demographics. We've got the mm-hmm. elementary school, uh, I'm assuming elementary school kids watching uh, watching the 573 report. So, uh, yeah, one, Devin, tell your daughter thanks for watching. We'll try to teach her something. <laughs> one more along those lines uh of, of the national title game and stuff how did drew turn baylor around <laughs> there was a murder on the team and we only had kim anderson it, i mean here's the thing that i think you got to realize about scott drew he's been there 18 years like and, and they've been good for a while don't get me wrong 2012 missouri's last year in the big 12 they played baylor uh twice as a, a top five team in the country that year so I mean, Baylor has had some good teams. They, I think they, they might have been a number one seed one other time. They were going to be last year, uh, but this is the uh, until this week. Scott Drew was the guy that was like, "Yeah, they're good," but like they keep getting beat before they should get beat. Um, and it, it's a, it's don't get me wrong. He's done a hell of a job. What he took over was as bad as almost anybody's taken over, maybe in the history of college basketball. Uh, I mean, it was. Kind of similar to maybe what Patino walked into at Kentucky, except for the fact that Kentucky still was Kentucky. I mean, Baylor, right. you know, yeah, Baylor, yeah, Baylor had no history. Didn't have this, right? Uh, they'd been to a Final Four in I think 1950. Um, so, but the bottom line is, like, he got guys, um, he got players, and I don't know. There's, you know, we could maybe speculate about exactly how he got all those players in Waco, but. I don't think he got them in a way that nobody else is getting players in college basketball. Yeah, for sure. It's actually fascinating, just kind of the narrative surrounding Scott Drew. I mean, there was a, a while there, and I, I it absolutely stemmed from 
other coaches, you know, putting it out there. They were the ones who put it out there that, you know, oh, he's he he's cheats. He, you know, gets all this talent. He can't coach and all that. And like, obviously, that's that, you know, he, he really did adapt. He's now recruiting you know, transfers and lower rated guys who, who, you know, he thinks bring, you know, a skill and, you know, athleticism, guard play with toughness and all that. And, you know, scrapped the zone, went to this, you know, kind of stop, stop the ball from getting in the middle defense. And like, that's, that's coaching. That's obviously fantastic. Um, I don't know. I just find all that interesting, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, first of all, like, you know, Baylor, while it doesn't have any history, it does have resources. I mean, they, they've been, right. you know, they've gotten good at a lot of sports lately because they've sunk a lot of resources into sports. Again, uh, Mac Rowe is actually a pretty good athletic director. It just didn't work just out. Just not here. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I, you know, the, the moral of the story is kind of like, it shows that patience can pay off. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, like if you had given, you know, just pick up some random coach, like, you know, who's, who's been fired recently, I don't know, 18 years, they probably aren't turning their team into a national title winner. And Scott Drew did show those signs, you know, relatively early. I mean, I remember they got back to the tournament. It had to have been like, I don't know. Like I'm looking, I'm so, looking up his record before they were in the tournament in 07, 08, which was okay. his fifth year, which was also his, first winning season. Um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, but you know, it, yeah, but it does pay to be patient and, and that's a hard thing to, to find these days. It takes, you know, the type of circumstances Baylor had for people to be like, okay, wow, we actually have to endure five losing seasons and still have hope. Right. And Scott drew, when he came to Baylor had one season as a head coach, he went 20 and 11 and lost in the first round of the NIT at Valpo. He then went, Eight and twenty-one, nine and nineteen, four and thirteen. Uh, so that's yeah, twenty-one wins in three years. Fifteen and sixteen. Tournament in year five. Nit runner-up in year six. Elite eight in year seven. Out in year eight, and then since eleven twelve, they have made the NCAA tournament all but two years, and in one of those years, they won the nit. So. You know, he, he's been good, and, and I don't mean to take any credit away from him, but also, like, Scott Drew got to Baylor when you were six, Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's – so one thing that I that I did think was a little bit weird is, you know, all the, well, I won't cheer for Baylor because of all – like, none of that Scott Drew. Scott Drew wasn't yeah. involved in the murder cover-up. Scott Drew wasn't involved in the football stuff. You know, now, hey, you don't like Scott Drew or you just can't cheer for anybody from Baylor. That's cool. Uh, but he got lumped into, I think, some stuff that wasn't really him over the last couple I agree. Of weeks. Yeah. You know, yeah, I, I've always said you don't have to provide a, a rational reason to dislike a team. I right. mean, like, the fact right. that we like teams so much in sports is not rational to begin with. Like, yeah. you know, we were I'm, talking about golf earlier. Like, you know, I don't have to have a rational reason to dislike Phil Mickelson. I right. just don't. Like, people always like well what about this 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 like i'm I, you're not going to change my mind yeah. i just don't like him so that's cool you can do that and but yeah don't take it out on scott Drew same with me like i don't like gonzaga and i don't know why but i wanted baylor to win on monday night i i have no rational reason to hate gonzaga they seem like a perfectly fine program with upstanding people there but uh so coaching carousel is my favorite thing especially when we're not covering it um you mm-hmm. know because that kind of consumes your life now i can just read random message boards and tweets and uh, David says, I know this isn't a Mizzou question, but do you all think a high profile coach would want to take the Arizona job? So we're going to leap into that in a minute. Um, but I actually want to start kind of the coaching talk with if you were North Carolina, wouldn't you maybe have just called Mark few and, yeah, and like, I mean, and not hired Hubert Davis. Yeah. So yeah, a couple things. One, I have no idea who they didn't, didn't call. Like, you know, maybe they did put out feelers and not even call, but put out feelers. And maybe they were told Mark people, Mark Fuse people and Scott Drew's people and, you know, Brad Stevens people and Billy Donovan's people all said, no, no way. Mm -hmm. And then they just went, all right, well, it's easiest to go in house. But I I really, truly think that's the best job in in America. Um, You know, I mean, I would put it second, but yeah. Yeah. Who would you put first? I'm curious. Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I. I think it's maybe because I grew up around Kentucky fans, but I'm convinced that their expectations are a different level of unrealistic. I mean, you've got the beef with this, with John Calipari, who's done an incredible job, but anyway, whole other thing. Um, But anyway, you know, top two, still great job. Like I, I would have thought, you know, like, you know, you put it your first top 
round of candidates is, you know, like the guys I just mentioned, your second tier, still a great group. I mean, you, you know, Chris Holtman, right. Nate Oates, mm-hmm. uh, Mick Cronin, maybe like, you know, but uh, I, I, I think you would not have to go lower or Eric Musselman. Maybe you wouldn't have to go lower than that caliber um, at North Carolina. I don't think at, now, you know, obviously there was a faction pushing to stand house and like <laughs> North, I get that North Carolina right. basketball be a cult, man. That job hasn't gone out of the house since Dean Smith became kind of their guy, even though he wasn't a Carolina guy. Right. So, yeah, I mean, like, I I don't know. I get that it's worked for people recently. um, And I get that, like, there are, you know, some perks to keeping the bulk of a staff that was successful together. But, like, my thing is, like, your school is, I just, you know, it's not that different. You don't have to have someone who was a North Carolina guy who just, you know, like, that's Dan Wetzel's thing. I'm totally stealing it from him. Like, someone else can figure out how to coach that team because you can get really good players there. So you might as well get the best coach you can because not a lot of coaches are saying no. Right. The only thing you can't do at North Carolina is hire a Duke guy. Like, (laughs) and which is fine because all the former Duke guys kind of suck. You know, except the yeah, one who's coach, who's going to win NBA Coach of the Year this year, who sucked when he was in college, largely. So, um, but David's question about Arizona. So, I think everybody probably watching this knows Sean Miller fired. Um, so, the most important question here is: Should significant level one NCAA violations get you fired or get you a lifetime contract? Which one makes more sense? Because <laughs> I mean. Like, We've seen I, both. It doesn't make it. Yeah, like I mean, I, I would you don't you would you would think it would be a negative, but <laughs> if that coach also is is really good and can win, uh, and you it, and you understand that your program has no natural advantages other than you know its history and the fact that it has a Hall of Fame coach, you should probably keep that Hall of Fame coach because like you know North Carolina sure. can be good without Roy Williams, but like Kansas, if they weren't on this incredible streak of hiring Hall of Fame coaches, I feel like could very easily fall into nebraska football territory mm, i'd like to think that but i don't think that but but to I'm your not point it's going to happen but i'm just saying it could because yeah. you don't have the natural advantages there to your point though i mean the arizona athletic director said today sean miller was fired because he didn't win enough like i don't know maybe that's covering his ass but if arizona this year and they already banned themselves from the tournament in hopes of getting out in front of the ncaa but if they had gone like 22 and 5 and were in position to be a 3 seed does sean miller get fired today I, no and, and probably you know, not and the athletic and the athletic directors being honest like yes the level 1 violations are a factor but they're a factor to the extent that they're going to prevent him from recruiting well and we're going to probably have a downturn while he's the coach and there's this uncertainty hanging over his head and so like you know if we're already not going to win a lot let's let or if we're already going to go through all this stuff we might as well try to shake it up like i i don't i do really and truly believe that like you know that's why i mean like why else would you know bill self get a lifetime contract will wade still be there bruce curl have gotten an extension cuz they're winning yeah, and, and I mean, Arizona has been, they've kind of fallen out the last couple of years, but I mean, I'm talking back to when the Final Four was in Kansas City in 1988, when I was 12, when Danny Manning and KU ended up winning it. I mean, Arizona was in that with Steve Kerr as a player, and then they were in the Final Four again. They beat Missouri to get there in 94. I think they made one in between there somewhere, and then they won a national title in 98 with Miles Simon, and uh, you know, they've had then Mike Bibby. They they've had, they've been one of the top ten programs of the last forty years. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, um, yeah, so it's another one that on the surface I would think they could hire somebody really good, but given everything that's going on and given the timing, I don't know if they can. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't really have a good feel for honestly who they can attract there. Um, you know, like I, I've heard people mention Eric Musselman. Like, I just don't know why you'd want to leave, you know, Arkansas, which, you know, it's kind of a similar job in my mind. Obviously, you know, the Arizona has probably a little more history, although Arkansas obviously was, or Arizona has more recent good history, right. I would say, yeah. um, that you can capitalize with on the recruiting trail. But, you know, you're either way, you're in a league where that's very manageable um, and, you know, a school that's fan base that's going to support you. So why go deal with the, the sanctions? Right. There's no I mean, sign like, that Arkansas you know, is not going to be eligible for the tournament in the next four years. Exactly. Yeah. 
So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't really have a good feel for who they could get. I know people have thrown out, you know, guys with Arizona ties like Josh Pastner and that yeah. Gonzaga assistant. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if they could do better than that. It seems – it almost seems to me that, that Pac-12 programs never hire anybody who is, like, east of Oklahoma. You know, I mean, it's always somebody in the West uh, who, who gets those jobs. Uh, I mean, the Pac-12 looks, honestly – kind of tough after this year's tournament, you know, with Oregon, USC. I mean, some people have UCLA number one in the country next year. And I, like, look, that's a program that it's pretty easy to get going. I think Mick Cronin's going to get it back going. Uh, yeah. So I agree. You don't leave Arkansas for that job, but they should be able to hire somebody, but the other stuff's going on. So you never know. Um, I don't know. Oklahoma hired Porter Moser. Um, fine. You know, Texas, I think, I think Texas made the best hire. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree. Yes. Chris Beer, I think is, I, I actually, I, I'm pretty much in love with, with him as a coach. I think he's one okay. of the at I'm, least 10 best, probably five best going right I mean, now. I am glad you added as a coach. I mean, you know, what, what if you love Chris Beard, know. that's cool, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. Personally. I don't know him like that. Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, I don't know. I, I know Texas Tech fans, not big fans of him right now, but, uh, so well. All that happened. I mean, I like the coaching carousel. This, I don't know. This one seemed kind of, kind of boring, really. Other than Shaka going to Marquette, like nothing really exciting. Roy retiring, but that doesn't even count because there's no search because they hired right. Hubert Hubert right. Davis. Yeah, that could have been that could have been huge because, like I said, you know, mm -hmm. top two job in the country, but. Yeah, ended up being kind of anticlimactic. So maybe we'll wait next year. More people will get fired. That's what we root for every year. As long as it's not the people we cover, because then we have to, then we don't get National Beer Day and golf all off season. <laughs> then we're super busy. <laughs> yeah. um, we've got some more Mizzou questions we'll get to in just a minute. I want to remind you real quick go to 573tees.com. Get your, uh, you know, everybody needs a T-shirt to, to wear out to the lake or the golf course or wherever you're going. Yes, I do play golf courses that allow me to play in a T-shirt. That's the only type of place I'd want to play golf. So uh, go to 573tees.com. Check out all their gear. Uh, like I said, some some local uh, establishments, National Beer Day, all kinds of stuff over there. So please check them out. Uh, they have been loyal to us and are going to help us get through the slow time. So we're going to try to help them out as well all summer long. So want to go back to some of the Mizzou stuff. Uh, Todd Julian says the roster is relatively set, assuming no Tamar Bates and no injuries, which freshman makes the biggest impact next year. Um I mean, like, if the roster is what it is right now, I almost have to have to think Yaya Keda, right? I mean, because he's got to play. Yeah, if he's healthy. I mean, that's a yeah. you know major question mark. I, I I I guess you know I think we have to assume they're bringing in another. Pick. I agree. Now, is he better than Yaya Keda? I don't know because I for one I don't know how good Yaya Keda is, and I don't know who who they're bringing in. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I could see the, the case for that. I, I, even though this guy plays a more crowded position, I got to go with Sean Dewar Gordon just because yeah. a, I kind of thought the most highly of him as a prospect out of everyone they signed and B he had, you know, a, a head start when coming in in January. Um, so he'll be, you know, a, a head start as far as weight training and knowing the system and all that. So he, he'd be my pick. Um, but yeah, I mean like certainly right now, uh, you would, there would be plenty of time available in the post. Yeah, somebody uh, brought up a point. It's going to be very irritating that they have a Gordon and a Dewar Gordon on the team. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it's that's. I mean, at least better than having nine Smiths. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, there's nobody that we have to like type both of their names. That well, Kobe and Caleb Brown. I guess we will have to right, do that. Right. But yeah. At least there's not another Brown still on the team. Um, let's see. Uh, rolling through. Okay, uh, concept check says, let's say MU Hoops lands a couple of other guys with one on part of Drew Smith or Cassius Robertson. Do you see them making the tourney? I mean, yeah, if you had an all-SEC player, sure. I, I think they definitely have a shot. Um, you know, but I think I think they're looking in the it, – it's Tamar Bates and a big guy, right? That's That's all we really think. Yeah, and by, and by mean, big guy, know, that could I'm be 6'8", sure. 6'9". Six, six, it doesn't mean it has to be a 6'11", 250 guy. Agreed. And I'm sure there's 
other guys they're at least keeping tabs on that we don't know about. You know, apparently they reached out to David Joplin. I'd be surprised if that happened, though. It's right. another 2021 kid. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I I tend to agree, though. I think that that, that is by far the most, you know, they're, they're like I said earlier, they're almost certainly bringing in a big man, a, a forward of some sort via the transfer portal. And then I think Tamar Bates is obviously plan A for that 13th spot, but you could get creative and, you know, maybe find a Juco guy, maybe a lesser known transfer in that, uh, in that last spot. Well, cause the thing you've got to be careful with too, is you've already got five freshmen. So if you bring in another one, it has to be one that you really, really like. And that's what Tamar Bates is, but you can't be going to a seven man freshman class. Cause if you do that two years, three years down the road, you find yourself in the same position. Look, I know someone will transfer out and all that, but you still find yourself with complete roster imbalance as far as the classes these kids are in. Um, because theoretically Jordan Wilmore is a true freshman again this year, you know? So mm -hmm. you'd be talking about, you're already talking about a six man freshman class in essence. So you gotta be careful. You gotta, gotta spread it out a, a little bit, I think. And, and I'm also a big advocate of, hey, if you don't get the guy you really want, just leave the spot open. I mean, they played with 12 guys this year and had a guy, one guy who never saw the floor, one guy who almost never saw the floor, and two or three others who transferred out because they didn't play enough. I mean, you're playing eight guys significant minutes. Right. And yeah, no walk-ons, which I assume might be a, a thing again post-COVID. So yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. I think, you know, there's no reason to, to use that last spot on an Axel Okongo or an Ed Chang. I, I just, it hasn't worked out yet. And I, I just don't see it working out. Like you're much better off holding it in case someone comes available at mid -year. some point, yeah. um, you know, mid-year or whatever. So yeah, I totally or, agree. Or also because it offers you the flexibility in next year's class mm -hmm. to kind of pick hey, what class do we want a guy in? You know, do we want a junior transfer or a grad transfer? Do we want a true – just offers you more flexibility going forward. Uh, Todd says, I kind of think Jerron Coleman is a guy similar to Drew Smith. Um, that's what his high school coach said. You know, there there's a lot of similarities in that he's, you know, similar size, similar build, really. I mean, you don't look at – he's he's got some – I don't want to say bulk, but, you know, he's not long and skinny. I mean, he's a, a stronger type of guy, um, not super flashy, from Indiana, kind of overlooked out of high school, um, you know, went to a, a mid-major in Indiana for two years, and then, well, I guess he was three years. He only played two, and then turned that into transferring to Missouri. So I think we tend to think of them as being similar because their stories are similar. I don't know Jerron Coleman's game enough to say if it's similar to Drew Smith because I don't sit around and watch videos of these kids. But, um, you know, 42% three-point shooter. I think Drew was like 38 or 39 in his last year at Evansville. So, like, good defensive player. I, I can see the, the comparison. Sure, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think that would be best-case scenario, you know, for Missouri. If, I mean, Drew Smith, obviously, you know, he could put up more offensive numbers than Drew Smith, but just kind of from an impact standpoint, Drew Smith was, you know, it's rare to find a guy that impactful for a mid-major in the transfer portal. But as the, whoever it was who mentioned Cassius Robertson as well noted, I mean, Missouri has done it twice and Coleman, you know, he, he fits kind of that bill that's becoming a big part of college basketball today, which is, you know, under-recruited, go pay your dues, play two years at a, at a mid-major, put up numbers and, and come see if it can translate to uh, to the, the high-major ranks. And there are some guys for which it has and some for which it hasn't. So it's a, it's a little bit of a roll of the dice, but I definitely think that there's potential there. Right. And then it goes the other way too, because if these kids are going from mid-major to high-major, then you've got the kids from Auburn and Ole Miss transferring down to UAB or, you know, uh, some, some are going to even smaller places uh, out of major conferences. So obviously it's a, it's a two-way street. Uh, True Divinity wants to know, do we have any idea how Mizzou looks with Aiden Shaw? There were some rumors Mizzou might get him soon, but that fizzled quickly. I, I'm curious, and like, if you guys watch and know this, like I've had people mention that rumor, but I don't know where it comes from. Like I never saw it. it I don't know if this I, is a tweet or somebody who actually knew. I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm 100% the same way. That's why I'm a little skeptical because, like, you know, I, it could easily be one of those things where someone was, like, you know, putting it out there or was about who I didn't know or was wrong or was asking about someone else and someone interpreted it one way. It wasn't corrected. And then it spun as, you know, people then saying, like, oh, I heard that rumor too. I bet it was the right. same place. Anyway, uh, to answer True's question, 
nothing right now in Angel. I'm actually in the process of trying to set up an in-person, uh, you know, just kind of get to know you interview uh, with him some point, hopefully pretty soon. Um, you know, now that we have a little more time, uh, you know, I went to Lee Summit North, talked to some football players last week. I know, you know, we're going to do that with some football recruits, but basketball wise as well, trying to hopefully get something set up with, uh, with the semi-local guys, Shaw and Mark Mitchell and, uh, and the, and Terrace Reed out of St. Louis. So stay tuned. Hopefully I will have an update for that, uh, maybe even by time we sit down next week, but maybe not that soon. <laughs> okay. Adam, uh, Adam Schlittler said it was a reply on a tweet and true divinity said it was maybe a, a Kansas city high school reporter. So look, we're not saying okay. it's impossible. Um, yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to say that for sure, but uh, we don't, we don't have any firsthand knowledge of that. Uh, Todd Julian says Jerron Coleman reminds him of Paul Pierce. Uh, bad week to remind you anyone of Paul Pierce. <laughs> Um, not, yeah. not the highest compliment this particular week, maybe Paul Pierce yeah, living, li I, living large on Instagram live though. Yeah. So yeah, I would say, um, from a basketball standpoint, I would be surprised. I, yeah. I'm not sure I see, uh, Paul Pierce coming in from ball state. You know, he, he was a multi-time all American at Kansas, I believe, or maybe not and, multi-time, but he was a, a really big high school recruit. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, yes, off the court, maybe even hopefully he's oh. better behaved than Paul Pierce, yes. at least right now. <laughs> hopefully he is in zero ways. Like the only way I would appreciate if he was like Paul Pierce is if he acted as if he was going to die on the court and then rolled a wheelchair out and scored 15 points like four and a half seconds later. Um, I agree. That that would be fun to write about. <laughs> but that was, uh, I, I mean, I didn't have any great love for Paul Pierce before that, but I had less love for Paul Pierce after that. Um, maybe after this weekend, I don't know if I have more or less love for him. I just know ESPN seems to like him a lot less to the point that they are no longer employing him. So uh, that was predictable. <laughs> well, well done, Paul. Very, uh, very grown up of you. Um, Case says that Chris Beard is to Mitchell as Mitchell is to Bob Douglas. Uh, I feel like that's a little bit strong, but maybe. I mean, you did say you were borderline in love with him, so. As a coach, yeah, I clarified. Also, I'm not getting on his Zooms and asking him to go to weddings. With you, me. You so should, let's, let's slow our roll here. You should 100% get on the next Texas basketball Zoom and be like, Chris, I got a and one in Buffalo. You want to go? Let's see what he says. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm going to have to pass. I mean, Tom Crane would go. Oh, easy. Are you kidding me? He's, I'm, yeah, I might invite him to my wedding. One, one a big upset of the offseason, at least one more year of Tom Green Zooms. So uh, we get that. Um, I don't know. We haven't talked about football at all because, I don't know, like there's nothing to talk about. Um, it's a, And this is this is one thing. It was kind of, you know, you mentioned we'll, we'll talk to, I, I assume, some assistants or Drinkwitz or whatever at some point. But, like, people always ask us during this time, hey, can you do a story on this guy? Can – and we've got to go through the proper channels to get interviews. And I want to be clear, and this goes both ways. We need breaks from them, and they need breaks from us. Like, we've been covering these kids, even though it's remotely and it's different this year, for basically from August 1st to March, what was the spring game, March 27th or something like that. Like, mm -hmm. they're tired of seeing us, and we're tired of asking them the same things and writing the same thing. So it's good for everybody to get a couple months away. Yeah, for sure. You know, if there's a chance we can get a sit down with like an assistant coach we haven't talked to before, great. But mm -hmm. there's no reason for us right now to write a feature on one of the players because we yep. probably already have, frankly, <laughs> or will in the fall. <laughs> right. And there's no, you know, at this point in time, like, hey, tell me about the, the defense and what's changed. I mean, we did that a little bit. But also, one of the things I actually really appreciated about Drinkwitz during spring ball was like, mm -hmm. he didn't make any more of it than it was. You know, he's like, eh. We're we're looking at guys like we want to get better and depth chart all that. That's that's in August. Like we're six months from the opener. Nobody wins football games in spring football. <laughs> I mean, I it just doesn't happen. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah, I was glad he didn't. Yeah, come out and proclaim anyone the next. You know, whatever. Yeah, next Macklin. I, I thought he handled yeah. that well. Yeah, I, I mean, handled that well. Actually, there is the next Macklin on the team, but I mean, right, literally by definition. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so uh, it. True Divinity wants to know and uh, how many commitment stories we've written that we had to scrap. This results from the, I think, the Jerron Coleman story, which, you know, magically sometimes commitment stories pop up like 30 seconds after these kids make their announcements. Uh, obviously, we type very quickly um, and spell check and all that. So 
Um, I mean, there have been a few, but we don't write them just on maybes. Usually, I mean, now there have been some stories that sit in our in our little uh, database for months on end, right? I I had a Kim Anderson hot board for over a year before we published it, and I would just update it every now and then with, hey, this guy might make sense. Uh, but I had it well, ready yeah, in that, year two. It was a it was a guarantee you were going to publish it at some point. <laughs> just a matter yeah. of when, right? Yeah, I would say. It's I, I, I there have not been a ton of commit stories we've had to scrap because I feel like we wait until we've got it on good authority. Someone's going to commit before we write up a draft. And usually that's and, right. I mean, we, you know, we have decent contacts in the recruiting world I, there. It's more often something, you know, Mizzou active on people within the university or transferring or personnel change thing. Right. They're like, ah, let's go ahead and get this ready because it's big enough news that we need to be on top of it just in case. And sometimes doesn't end up right. Like I know last off season, we had a Parker Brown transfer story written and it just sat there for long enough that I was like, "Eh, I guess we can delete this now. turns out we should have saved it for a year and we wouldn't have had to write another one, but you know, it wasn't that hard to write another one. (laughs) Right. Right. But um, usually commitments like also it's easier now because you tend to have about four days lead time because the kids have to get their right. videos together. So, right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Or set a commitment announcement time or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And true did bring up Virtus Brown. Uh, we, I didn't have a story written for Virtus Brown. I had somebody live at the announcement who was going to write from the announcement. And then once he announced for Illinois, I was like, eh, checks in the mail. You can take off, <laughs> you know? Um, but I mean, there have been a few things that we had, like, I, I don't know if we had this. I don't know if I ever had a story written that Missouri goes to the Big Ten, but like I was ready to write one, you know, um, mm-hmm. at any time. I'm not sure if I if I ever actually did write one. Uh, never wrote a Missouri hires Matt Painter story. Um, also, yeah. I feel like this development of hey, let's have something ready in case it happens is relatively recent, at least for me. Yeah, I mean because. Yeah. I would use in the past, I would just post on the message board. Hey, this happened. I'm going to go write a story now. Now it's like, Hey, let's try to have a story done in advance of it happening, which every now and then wastes about 15 minutes of work. But like, right. I commitment stories ain't winning Pulitzer's man. They don't take a long time. No, there's, especially, I mean, especially when the kids when, never talk to us. You, right. Especially when you don't get quotes beforehand. Yeah. There's only so much you can say. So yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I have an example of a commitment story we didn't publish, but I don't know if it's okay to share on the air. Like, I don't know if this is, you know, like, so I guess I'll refrain. I don't, well, maybe I'll bring it back. I honestly time. don't even know what you're talking about. So yeah. All right. Well, yeah. it's in there right now. If you want to go check oh, the, uh, okay. Yeah, we we have a couple ready just in case. Uh, you know, no, but, I mean like this one's still in there, but it's not. I don't think it's it's gonna have to be published. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> I got you. Um, uh, also, like there are some stories that I write, like in Microsoft Word or some or in Pages or whatever, because yeah. I'm too scared to write them in the database because I'm afraid I'm going to accidentally hit publish instead of save draft yeah. and and then once yeah. it's out there, dude, like it's out there, somebody's gonna take a screenshot of it and you're kind of yep. screwed. Uh, it, yep. But there have definitely been times where I've put a story in and texted you and been like, don't even open it to edit it. Cause like we can't accidentally publish this before it's ready. Yeah. It's so easy to do. If people obviously don't understand our little publishing database, right. it's extremely easy to accidentally publish it. So especially yeah. if you're trying to, uh, if you're trying to, uh, to schedule it for a time versus do, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. And then anyway. you end up with a, with a moment like the SEC website, welcoming Missouri to the league and then trying to pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, all right. We're, we're winding down here, but, uh, <laughs> any thoughts on the, uh, Tamar Bates interview, which true divinity said seemed incredibly awkward. And look like we want to be clear before we get into this, like, some interviews are better than others and like he's a high school kid and by no means does a non-productive interview say anything about the kid or do we want to say anything bad about him yeah 100 percent. i don't want to say it was awkward or anything like look you gotta understand the vast majority of these phone interviews with high school kids who we've never met are just not very in- informative i mean like we're squeezing I mean, every drop out of those puppies for the first story the vast um, majority of interviews we do with college kids in person aren't very productive that's that's a good point most people suck at being interviewed if you want the truth yeah yeah for sure so in this particular case you know tamar had just finished up his high school season and basically had told coaches i don't want to talk to you until after my high school season 
And so when I talked to him yesterday, he was basically like, well, I haven't talked to any coaches. Right. Like, yeah. All right. And so that's about that. And also we had some self-service issues like two different times. Well, I don't know who's and who's on, but it cut out. And so I'd have to re repeat a question. And, you know, I mean, like, it's just one of those mm -hmm. things. It's uh, it's always easier in person, but also just when you're, yeah, when you're interviewing, you know, 17 year old kid or any kid for that matter. It's uh, it's not always the most informative. I wouldn't read too much into it, but right. thought it was still worth the story just because we know he is a, a high priority kid for Mizzou. Yeah. And, and also like, this is why when we talk to kids, it's not just tell us about Missouri. It's tell us about all eight schools you're talking to, because then that it doesn't, it should avoid then the Kentucky site calling him and the Marquette site. Well, we don't have one, but if we did calling him in this site, calling him in that site, calling him. And it's why if a story is written on a kid, Missouri's recruiting him, we're not calling him the next day. You just read what he yeah. said. Like it, yeah. over, this is the worst thing that people that do that cover recruiting do is we just bombard these kids to the point where they don't want to talk to any of us, you know, and, yeah. and, it's not just, I mean, certainly Rivals is guilty of it 24-7, all that, but it's also now there's so many other people. I mean, fans are basically setting up blogs and, you know, talking to recruits, and so now they're getting hit from that. They're getting Twitter DMs, and at some point, they just cut it all off. That's why they're doing their own announcements and never talking to us, so it's counterproductive to to bug these kids too much. Um, yeah. And, and you know it, it leads to uh, nothing. So this feels like a good uh, a good last question. Uh, Adam Schlittler is wanting to know the longest commitment ceremony I've been to, and if it was longer than Virtus Brown. So, Mitch, I know Virtus Brown was before you you started, but are you familiar with the commitment ceremony? Oh yes, yes, I've heard all about it. Talking right to now. the first graders. I mean, mostly from yeah people on it, the message board. Yes, it's it, been rehashed a lot. It was pretty incredible, but the most incredible part is. It's not the worst one we've carried live. Um, mm -hmm. So when Jonathan Williams III committed to Missouri, and he was he was a Memphis kid, I think, right? He was. Uh, yes, he was. Yeah. So I, I had assurances from J3's mom that it was Missouri because we said, look, we want to come down there. We want to carry it live. But I just can't do 12 hours in a car in a hotel room if he's going somewhere else. So we won't say anything. But should we come? And she said, yeah, come down. So... We go down, and I'm not kidding you, it was 45 minutes of, like, music before <sighs> anything happened. And then, I mean, it was, I, I was texting Brian Austin, who was there for us, and I was just like, oh, my God, dude, you deserve so much money for being at this thing. It was horrendous. Uh I remember Caleb Brown, or Kobe Brown's being a lot longer than it seemed like it should be. Yeah, well, the thing with Kobe Brown's was it was his second commitment. He had already committed to Texas A&M, then decommitted oh, that's when right. uh, Billy, whoever it was, therefore, Billy Kennedy left. Yeah. And then I forgot that. It was his second one, and then, it, yeah, it lasted, like, forever. Um, it was like a, a this is your life with 12 people talking about him. Right. Yeah. This isn't, this isn't a long commitment, but I remember Mario McKinney was supposed to, he oh. tweeted out like committing at this time. And then he ended up committing like three hours later <laughs> because he was playing goalie in a soccer game. The wait for like his that. commitment video was longer than his Missouri career. Oh yeah. 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 So, yeah. That's about, that's, that's, that's the best uh, stories I've got so, so far. Yeah. So here's what we do between April and August. We tell stories. Um, so join yeah. us next week for story time on the 573 report. We'll be here. <laughs> Um, as far as I know, next Wednesday, um, 7.30, same time, same channel, all that. And uh, hope you're here. Hope you check out 573tees.com at that address, 573tees.com. Pick up some gear. Uh, join us next week. Uh, you know, join us anytime you want before then. I mean, we won't be here, but, like, you can come on the message board, uh, you know, in, write us a letter, whatever. Send it to Mitchell Forty, care of Bob Douglas, and uh, and we'll make sure he gets it. So, Thanks for watching, uh, Mitch. I don't know, man. We'll uh, something will probably happen here soon, right? Yeah, it usually does. We'll talk about it and have story time. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. See you next week.